Hello, a little public service announcement. Um, if you can, please go to mauifoodbank.org and donate for the wildfire that happened in Maui. All right, now here's the show. Thanks. All right, thank you, John Bertan, for that uh, excellent uh, intro music for the uh, the bass licks. It is uh, 9.35 p.m. It is August 11th, 2023. I have Tim DiCarlo and John Bertan here, and we are talking about the Kauai, that's K-A-I-A-U, 50-miler. Took place Spell August. That again. Did I spell it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I did misspell it, didn't I? Uh, gosh, I, I have a, How do you spell it? K A I Kawaii. I, I spelled it right. K A U A I. Really? K A I. I did, because when I Google it, it says K. Okay. <laughs> you're right you're right okay okay 50 miler now this is a great intro k-a-u-a-i did i say it right this time okay let me get this i had the u and the i mixed up okay <laughs> let me start over we got the k-a-u-a-i the kawaii 50 miler Took place August 5th, 6 a.m. Hawaii Standard Time. That's two hours different than Pacific three, Time. Three from our Daylight Savings Time. Is it? Three hours. Yeah, okay. Three hour difference. Starts at 6 a.m. in the Kauai. Uh, we got <laughs> Brady Silverwood, race director. Here, let me share a screen so you guys can see what I'm, t- I'm going over here. And uh, you, you should do a deep dive on uh, Brady Silverwood. Because he and his college roommate, senior year at, I believe it was, University of Arizona, um, had in a Instagram giveaway, which wasn't actually a giveaway, made about $600,000 in something like 12 hours for a clothing company <laughs> that they had started. So and, I... I actually emailed Brady, um, but to be fair, I only emailed him today. And uh-huh. going forward, I'm going to email every race director before I do these because it's like, why not? If they can join, great. If they can't, yeah. whatever. And he just seemed like a really interesting guy. And like Chris Cloyd also. Uh, I didn't reach out to Chris, but like, yeah, I'm going to reach out to the race directors on these races because they might have some feedback that's pretty cool. So All sounds saying, like a yeah. really, really interesting guy is for, yeah, for going down a fun internet rabbit hole. If you look up the viral Sunny Co clothing company and their Instagram giveaway, you will learn about Brady Silverwood. Um, <laughs> and this wasn't that long ago. So that's uh, an interesting insight into the race director um, and, and, and the race was, he, he was All a right. fantastic race director. So, yeah, he, he, uh, it sounds like it was an inspiration. It, it was that he had entirely, and that he he sparked and made happen. Uh, the Kauai50.com is the website. That's uh, K-A-U-A-I50.com. Um, I couldn't find the cost because it's already passed. What was the cost, uh, John? Because I have that as my agenda here. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, because I, I don't remember. It was it was definitely through Ultra Sign Up. Um, let's see. I signed up for it in on December third, twenty twenty two, and it was two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, that's on the more. Oh wow, no, it was three hundred and fifty dollars, and then I got a hundred dollar discount. Uh, that 
I had gotten in an email. I got an email about the race over Thanksgiving. Um, How'd you get the discount? Yeah. I, I don't remember how I got the discount. Um, <laughs> the coupon code I used was ultra thankful, which means it was probably something for Thanksgiving. Um, and something that being on, I guess, you know, ultra sign up, you know, email lists. That's a pretty uh, good discount. It's hundred bucks. I think yeah. it was sort of the, maybe, I mean, you could probably look at it as the same mechanism as sign up for this race before this date. And it's going to be this price. And after it, this date is going to be this price. And now knowing something more about Brady's marketing techniques, that makes sense. Um, well, so, I, so John, I, let me interrupt for a second. The best race registrations happen in Europe. Uh, I did the Hanover Marathon, and I, I no exaggeration, if you did it a year plus registration out, it was half, and then it was six months out, and then it's like another uh, uh, increment up. It's all it's all calculated because they're Germans, yep. and then right up to the to the day before, it's much much more. So say say it was 100 euros, which I don't think it was. I think it was more. But it would be like 50 euros a year out, which is great because then you could plan for all of those participants and you can give them a really good uh, price. And then I think six months and then three months and then it's like, okay, now yeah. it's uh, 200 euros or something. And it was, um, yeah, that's most races in the U S don't really do that, but I really like that approach because it, it gives, you know, if you just plan, you can get a really good deal. And that makes a lot of sense. And, and in this race too, I mean, a lot of this was he, he funded half of it. The The prize money was all, he funded it all. I couldn't so believe it. Yeah. First place, uh, <laughs> male and female, 15,000. 15,000. So second double, place, 5, double all of these. Yep. There's $50,000 the right 3, there. 1,000 for fourth and even 500 for fifth. And he funded all of it. So he just, he, he dumped in whatever the race cost. Um, in the end, I think he covered half of it personally to make he it happen. He did. That's incredible. And the original race plan was to start down um, on one of the towns on the South Shore of Kauai and run starting at midnight and run on the road all the way up to the end of Waimea Canyon, where the road basically stops, um, and then turn around and run all the way back down and finish in another town to the east of the one we were going to start in making for 50 miles and so the race was going to originally be done all at night which would have been a very different kind of race uh it would have been still hawaii warm though we did visit waimea canyon the day before and at the very top uh, was the only place on the island when i was there for these past week and a half where the temperature was below 70. wow um, so yeah again tropical summer uh you expect that the low is going to be maybe 75 and the high is going to be 85 and that's what it is every single day with uh, okay so uh, the so, same humidity so john let's back up on my agenda because i'm trying to stick to this agenda for every race i talk about okay um and i'll preface this with if you do a lot of races you don't need another shirt and you probably don't need a water bottle uh what were the um what what did you get for your your entry? The swag was great. I got a small lightweight backpack made out of some basically like parachutish material, kind of like the same thing that lightweight windbreakers and rain rain jackets are made out of. Um, a t-shirt, a nice hat, and a cowbell. Um, <laughs> some sunglasses. Wow. And at the end, all you when you finished, you got a medal. And that was the race swag. So, yeah, straightforward stuff, but it was it was all well designed. That's, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot for. Um, was the T-shirt like? Uh, what's the design? Is it like a? It's just very simple. It's sort of a 
white and gray cotton t-shirt and it says Kawhi 50 across the front. I don't have it in front of me. And then it had, um, I guess the one, I don't remember the name of it. The one major sponsor was listed below presented by something. And I forget what that something was. I, you know, the point Mariah had a cotton shirt. And at first I was like, Oh, cotton, that's odd. But then I was like, well, this is nice. Cause I could wear this. Like I don't have to just wear this when I'm working out. And I have like, I have too many running shirts. I have so many running shirts. It's nice to just have a shirt you could wear like just on a Saturday. Well, you can wear your regular running shirts on a Saturday. Um, no, no, you, you cannot, John. You, wear. <laughs> you have to wear, you have to wear cotton. Cotton. <laughs> I actually, I actually pondered wearing cotton for this race. Oh, God. Because, well, no, th- th- there's actually an important reason why. If you soak cotton, it stays cold. It just stays wet. Ah. Whereas when you, when they say, you know, for winter stuff, cotton kills, but for hot stuff, cotton chills. It keeps you wet. Mm. So that's uh, that's a reason why to do it. I ended up opting not to do it, but I experimented um, with some runs here wearing a, a cotton long sleeve shirt and just keeping it soaked. So, yeah, the race swag was pretty good. Um, oh, man. So, yeah, the entrance. Uh, there were, let's see, 160, 100, oh, do the math right here, 159 starter, or no, registrations. Um, 45 people did not show up to the start line. 41 well, that's, people that's quite did a not lot, finish. Yeah. yeah, and then 73 people finished, according to the most recent email I got from uh, the race director. Let's see what it says in Ultra Sign Up. Yep. 73 finished and the last person which is she was allowed to finish and it's up to the race dictators you know discretion um the cutoff time for the race was 13 hours and she has a finish recorded at 1302 some races are more strict but i got in the email um the post-race email, he said he was going around doing the sweep, and one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing he had to do that day, was tell runners, you're done, you're not going to make it. And he came upon these last two ladies, and they said, we're going to finish. And he said, you better fire it up. And they both didn't finish. So that was, you know, it's up to the race dictator's discretion, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I'm that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Sense. To say what the race, it, it wasn't on the road. It it became um, four laps around the Kauai Coffee Plantation. And the Kauai Coffee Plantation, I'd been there before just for a visit. It's the largest coffee plantation in the country. And it just kind of made me think, like, I, I'm a big coffee drinker. Andy, I know you drink coffee. Okay. Um, Tim, are you a coffee drinker? I am. So coffee is this thing that's like everywhere in the world. You can get great coffee, you can get crappy coffee, you can get coffee everywhere. But yet it's this really finicky plant. Like you can't just grow it anywhere. There's no growing coffee here in California. Um, If you could, we would be doing it um, because it's somebody's going to buy it. Um, There are 4 million coffee trees on this plantation. And each one produces a pound of coffee a year. And if you think about it, four million pounds of coffee in the global consum- coffee consumption per year seems like a drop in the bucket. Wow. Um, so it's it's kind of amazing. And so it's just like staring at so this coffee. Were there numbers about like, like um, uh, product from different countries? Like, did you, did you do like a tour? Like Colombia, Brazil... I, I didn't America. do a tour this year. I didn't. I didn't look up those coffee things. I, I I've got mm. books that outline that. I don't have those numbers off the top of my head. I, I know Kenya is, is a lot of stuff comes from Africa it, now. You can go down to Central and South America is a bunch of coffee growing. Um, Indonesia uh, mm. is another place. So it's like it's got to be around the equator. And and one of the things is these coffee. You can read stuff like shade grown versus you know etc. Mountain grown coffee. Um, Jamaica Blue Mountain, whatever you want to slap on your coffee. Um, to well, make a lot of a it. lot of these coffee businesses just 
buy coffee from one place, slap a name on it, and yep. now it's like uh, Black Mountain uh, well, military you, you, coffee. There, there's rules <laughs> what is like, you know, blend or single source. But oh, I, yeah, yeah. The, the word shade grown, which is on a bunch of different coffees that I've purchased in my life, was going through my head because there was no shade here. <laughs> the, I, these you know coffee what? trees I have, get direct sun all I have day a gri- long. All I have a gripe. Long. So this will sound awful because, yeah, it's going to sound awful because Maui has is going through the worst disaster ever, like in the last hundred years, right? All their fires. Uh, ever, I would say. Okay, so I'm going to complain about Maui. So that's <laughs> <laughs> when I was there. I got coffee and it was just like mediocre because only because it just said like Maui coffee or something on it. It was like from the local corner store. And I was like, as a coffee snob, I was like, well, this isn't that great. This is just like, you know, normal, normal uh, Starbucks or something at home. But it depends if you on how do... you roast it and how you brew it too. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was some good coffee uh, and they, they called them, I want to say Peabody's or Peaberries. They were Peaberries and they were tiny berry. And this is like $50 for like a half a pound. It was ridiculous. But it's the really good stuff. And that was very good coffee. And it actually was for sale at a plantation in Maui. I forget the name of the plantation. It's like uh, a couple miles from Kihei as you're headed towards the airport. Um, yeah, you just have to look for it. So there's if you just slap a name Hawaii coffee, it doesn't automatically make it good. Well, again, our race director for this race is uh, a wizard when it comes to making people purchase things, which is, you know, I, I'm actually kind of in awe after reading his history. So I recommend to all listeners look up Brady Silverwood and his Instagram uh, business success. Hey, Brady, um, if you're listening to this, how come I only have 10 listeners to my podcast and could you give me like maybe a thousand listeners that would be nice and i will give you a six pack of beer (laughs) (laughs) he actually seems like that kind of guy um so i'm looking at your list here what's the the, yeah the loop distance okay so the loop was an interesting loop around most of the Kauai coffee plantation 12.7 12.7 miles, and it was, according to my Garmin, every time I came around, it was 12.7 miles. Very accurate. Um, and I was trying to run tangents. Um, I I think there was, let me do the math in my head, about 750 feet of gain per loop. That's a harder thing to assess based on topographic maps and what the different uh, GPS Yeah, let's, let's pull up your Strava. I'll, I'll pull I'm it up right go here. With what my watch said and i'm going to say about 750 feet per loop it gives me yeah my elevation gain was 3,000 feet so that's about right and i was doing the math in my head i came to the second loop it said 1500 feet so um and it was pretty even whole time um the the loop was crazy It, it was very runnable as runnable courses go it was all the soft red Kauai dirt and the first lap, I was keep trying to keep it mellow, not get too excited. And it was very, very runnable. And if you can look at my average pace through that first lap, I'm going at like below nine minutes per mile, stuff in the eights probably, probably averaging like maybe 8.30 per mile for that first lap. I came through that's, the first lap. That's pretty good like for a 50 mile or pretty good start. Seven. If so, if the, te- if the sun didn't get any higher, or if we ran this race at night, I feel pretty confident I would have kept that pace. It wasn't until the middle of that second lap when I started to realize, uh-oh, this is this is hotter than I thought. And my first indicator should have been, because I talking, let's talk about some gear. I went at this knowing that I need to protect myself from sun. So I wore um a very very thin fabric uh collared button shirt which i like to wear in races i've worn it for probably the better part of a decade now and it stops my uh hydration pack from chafing my neck 
And I like what I like about the buttons is I can open them and I get some airflow. And it doesn't chafe at all. And I wore arm sleeves, white arm sleeves um, as well. And then I had some, they're not quite compression shorts, but they're Pearl Izumi um, running shorts. And they, they definitely, you know, look like compression shorts and they're black. And then I had on black calf compression sleeves, not because I wanted the calf compression, but because I wanted to minimize sun exposure. And so why wouldn't you just wear normal socks to like cover your, cover your skin? Um, in case I wanted to change socks or something like that, it's easier to change the smaller socks and keep the compression sleeves on. Okay. Um, and the, although in retrospect, I had some bright white socks I could have worn. Um, near the end of the first lap, actually before the end of the first lap, the thought occurred to me, I don't really need this hydration vest. I had three soft flasks plus some goose plus my cell phone stashed in the vest. And thought occurred to me, is was like, oh, I, this is just too much because there was an aid station every three miles, which is, and it was like clockwork. And so it's like, they have everything I need. I can carry everything that I need in a small waste pack. And that's just going to be less weight and less heat cover on me. So mm-hmm. after the first lap, I ditched the vest. And I, the fact that I was even having that thought on a vest that I've worn for probably a decade now. Um, that's, like, you know oh, what, John? That was, my indicator a, was hot. That, that's what I did at Point Mariah. I wore, I wore my um, pack to the first aid station and I ditched it. And I was like, I'll just leave it here. I'll run out to Point Mariah. I'll run up Route 1. I'll run up Route 2. And then I wore the pack back. And like, well, okay, I didn't need it because there was all these aid stations. I swapped the pack for a, a waist belt, which I could stash two soft flasks in. So I was carrying um, 500 milliliters of fluid and some energy gels. But they also had the energy gels, the flavors I like even, at every aid station. Now, what's the flavor you like? Because uh, there's only, there's only two good flavors. With the strawberry banana is what I was using. They had some s'mores. Sorry, it's not a good flavor. And then I carried a salted caramel, <laughs> salted watermelon. Salted, salted caramel lime. is good. Yes. And, and vanilla, salted caramel and vanilla bean are the only two good flavors. They had that. It's, it's science. Cake. The <laughs> birthday is like, oh, cake. I do that. Yeah, birthday <laughs> cake. And I saw people sucking it down going, oh, this is great. Um, the... <laughs> the um and then my salt pills i kept the salt pills in my waist pack and then i also had a little sea to summit um cup that i can pop open it's a little disc it's like those collapsible camping bowls but a cup and it it's what i used at every aid station to fill myself up because i did, you know a lot of places are going cupless which i appreciate and this little Sea to Summit cup is pretty awesome um, because it's rigid and it pops open easy, not like those little soft cups. And so I had that in my pocket, so I had everything I needed. And then, yeah, that second lap, by the middle of it, I realized I'm feeling nauseous and I am overheating and it's getting hotter faster. And I'm just watching my shadow shrink. And I'm just thinking, wow, there's two and a half more laps of this. Um, and so that's when I start going off of the plan. And one of the things I had at every aid station, which actually, I, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I drank some coconut water. And I just wasn't, I had to shouldn't have done it. it. Well, I've well, heard coconut water can act as a laxative if it's not treated correctly. Well, it's one of those things where I never drink coconut water. And I don't, I never trained with it. And it's like, it was just something new that I tossed into my stomach and tossed into my stomach in some hard conditions. And there's a lot of coconut waters out there. I, I, I was, I actually, I found one. I forget the name of it. I found one when I was out in Hawaii this summer that I loved so good. It was at the ABC store and they had like six coconut waters and I actually tried like three of them and like a couple of them. I was like, eh, but you find the one you like, 
it's great but I don't, I don't did you like drinking it or was it just like no i need, I need something different i was I, I was trying something different i was also the first lap i was eating some of the solid foods like the bananas and the oranges which in races usually are are gold for me like i love bananas and it's got good stuff i process it quickly but on that second lap i was like eating started to become a thing that i didn't feel like doing and i realized oh that's not a good time and i, was I think like, banana Whoa. bananas are one of those uh great long distance running foods oh, because amazing. it's it has a little bit of solid to it but it's easy to digest has tons of uh magnesium um and I think you need I, I don't I don't know what the elements you're depleting, but it uh, has those potassium. potassium. That's thank you. Yeah. It it's so replacing the potassium. When I, I realized I was like, this is this is not good. I'm starting to overheat. What am I gonna do about it? And how did, did you know you were overheating though? Other than it, was, it being it hot the, out and your your skin it feels was hot. The nausea that was wasn't huge for me, but it was starting to creep in. And the fact that I was avoiding eating or taking my salt pills or drinking my fluids. It's like, I didn't want to do it. And I was starting to put it off. I was like, that's not good. Were you, were you zoned out or were you intentionally like, there's a subconscious here. I know, I know what happens. You're like, okay, my plan is every 45 minutes, I'm going to ingest this amount. Right. And then you start thinking you, 10 minutes, I can wait another 10 minutes on it. Maybe it's I'll wait exactly what happens. It's like, okay, here's the plan. I need this many calories per hour. I will consume this gel and eat this uh, food. So I will have this calories and I will also be drinking water with this every hour on the hour. And then surprise two hours in three hours in you're like, nope, uh, forgot to do that. Uh, it's been 40 minutes since I should have done that. <laughs> yeah, At least that, it, that's my experience. That's, that's, that's exactly what it was. And it was starting to slow me down on stuff that was flat and even downhill. I was like, do I have to run here? Um, when I got through though, that second lap, I'm just like, okay, I got to redo something. So I actually changed my shoes. I was wearing shoes that hmm. I had run the 50 K in new fresh pair but the same model and i actually switched to a pair of hokas because i was moving slower yeah tim are you raising your hand tim there you yeah. Go. yeah where did you if you just had a waist belt where did you stash your extra shoes oh so since this was a lap course i had uh, a chair with the cooler set up at the start finish area so I, after each lap i could figure out what am i going to do what do i need for the next lap is there anything what? I need to reassess? What about ice? Did you, did so you do like was, an ice yeah. thing? I was awesome. I was using ice, but the at in the second lap and probably into the middle of the third lap, aid stations were running really low on ice. So there were a couple I had come to um, in that in the second and the third laps, they didn't have ice yet, or they ran out and they were waiting for their next truckload of ice. Um, the race director in his post-race email said over a thousand pounds of ice were used, which seems like a lot, but I don't know what a benchmark is for a race like this, especially in Hawaii. Um, mm. And I think he's learning that too. So I think, I, yeah, that was, that was not that many participants. However, it's a lot of ice to have just like, you know, 20 pounds of ice per person. Oh, the ice, and I noticed that the aid stations, definitely by the third lap, nobody, and even the aid station volunteers were saying nobody's eating any of the solid food because they had like candy and bananas and fruit and goos and all mm -hmm. of it. And people just wanted ice and soda. And yeah. I was like, oh, everybody just wants liquids now. Everybody just needs, like, they, they can't eat their calories. They can it's only the heat. Them. Yep. It's it the heat. Totally yeah. Heat. Oh, it's the humidity. So, yeah. <laughs> so what I noticed, I was like, and it, it, my, my, my brain, the academic part too, and maybe because I teach astronomy, is I'm just, I was watching my shadow shrink. And I knew, it was like, I'm going well, to have no shadow when the sun is at its peak today. It's going to be directly beneath me. And that's, you don't get that north of the tropics. Like, the highest the sun gets in the sky, and this is on the summer solstice, 
is 75 degrees of altitude. It's still 15 degrees off the center of the sky. And the sun at its highest was 85. That's a lot closer than 75. And so I'm staring at my shadow getting smaller and smaller going, shit, what am I going to do? And by after the third lap, I had kind of changing the shoes, gave me that fresh perspective. I also had two cans of um, athletic brewing, um, non-alcoholic beer. The uh, I think it was the Free Wave IPA. Um, sitting on ice in my cooler. And I had one at the end of the second lap and one at the end of the third lap. And those kind of reset my stomach. They made me feel better. I think wow. it was the bubbles. And then it gave me some calories. And then in the third lap, what I started doing, and it kind of hit me, not after the, I did it at the first aid station of the third lap. So by the second aid station of it, um, I was able to like pick up the pace again. I realized that every aid station, what I needed to do was completely pour ice cold water multiple times down my neck, down the front of my shirt, on my arms, and the top of my head. So I had to completely dunk myself. And that was, that would drop my core temp enough so that when I was there, I could suck down a goo, I could take in a salt pill and take in other fluids, and then a few like five minutes after leaving the aid station i could get back into to running again and so at that point i started to catch up to people or pass people so i think i started off like right in the middle of the race and a couple people passed me i think on the second lap um but by the third lap and by the time i had started pouring water down myself and just dunking myself and then they had restocked with ice so i'd put ice in my hat down my arm sleeves um, how do you put ice stage. in a hat do you, is it is it I have a, a pouch in my hat it's uh that's it's got like so so is it engineered for that i don't know it... if it's actually engineered for it it was one of those it's one of those it's an rei hat that has like the the sun flap that comes down in the back and it's bright mm -hmm. white so it's just reflective so I would keep the hat wet and I would put ice inside so it would just sit on top of my head and then I would put ice in my arm sleeves and then I would be good and by the time I got to the next aid station it would almost all be melted and then I'd repeat it and so at that point I was starting to catch up and pass people who were struggling with the same heat issues and some of them finished and then some of them I know dropped out um and that was yeah the core temp bringing down the core temp was super important because i mean looking at the the low it started out at 79 degrees at six in the morning and then it high was probably in the high 80s i think but it, was it wasn't the temperature it was the humidity and right the humidity was the same as the temperature <laughs> but the sun the direct sunlight i think was another big factor because in the morning when it was it was just as humid. This is was, like this is warm. And in the afternoon, when the sun started, when my shadow got bigger yeah. again, it felt better. But it was the direct sun exposure that just cooks you because then it just raises the temperature of everything. And so, effective cooling methods. And it sounds I, like my Florida marathon. That, that uh, I was thinking about your Florida marathon, which was a little hotter, I think, than this. But it was uh, I didn't have to go as far, and it was it was all just a balance of of drinking Gatorade, drinking water, and staying cool. Like there wasn't there wasn't any like exertion question. It was all about staying cool the whole time. My legs and my feet were never really trashed. I think I mean the reason I changed shoes was just to just feel different. I just wanted a mm -hmm. new perspective, and. Because the thing is, the course was actually very, very runnable. Say they had started this race at midnight, or maybe even 4 a.m. even, instead of 6 a.m., it would have been a different race for a lot of people. And I talked to a lot of people out there and on, you know, the finish. One lady ran it with an umbrella, a sun umbrella, a parasol, if you will. Wow. <laughs> that just so, keeps the sun off her. So, John, what what um, landmarks, like, what, what uh, would... Like why why should somebody do this race? What what's what's the draw? Well, as when I told my wife um, in 
over Thanksgiving last year when I saw this race advertised and asked her, should I go run a race in Kauai? And her answer was, well, yes, of course. Anything to go to Kauai is any, a plus for her, um, any reason to go. Um, and so, yeah, just just to travel to there. And I think that's a big part. Like when you when you have a race that's a destination race, um, that's a cool thing. You get to see a different place. You get to run with a different crowd. Um, even though some of the people running there, you know, are, you know, we're even from the Bay Area. So, uh, you, even across the ocean. I did see, I did you know. see, uh, Laura Schmidt and, yep. and, and Caitlin Schmidt. They, they, they finished yeah. it together. Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, Very cool. And it was just funny. I, I shared some miles with people who knew a lot of people, uh, that we know. And it was like, yeah, the ultra running community doesn't matter where in the world. It's, it's still small. Um, but then again, it's still interesting talking to people who live elsewhere and running with them and sharing some miles and just going, well, how did you train for this thing that you can't train for where you live? And even one of the one of the people I was talking to, he lived and he didn't finish. Um, he lives in Oahu and he finished the Hurt 100 back in January. And I said, well, you can you can train for this. He's like, yeah, but I don't. He's like training for the Hurt 100. You have shade and it's in January. It's just different. And this, he's like, you just got to be out in the worst part of the day running hard. And that's mm. the only way to train for this. How did, but, but you, what did you do to train? Like, how did you get the heat acclimation? Because it's nice ran, here in Marin. Well, the thing is in Marin, you're kind of at the edge of it. You can go south and you can get the fog, but you can go north or east and you can get that heat so when it's you know 58 degrees and foggy in the red headlands it can be 90 degrees in nevada and so i'd go there or like china camp was a good place because that was always pretty warm and i was figuring that would approximate some of the trail um and just be in the heat but china camp i realize now is there's too much shade there i needed to be out of the poop lakes where there's no shade just running in that midday sun. And so training for sun exposure, I think, is a big thing. And then, um, yeah, that's why I did that's the race. That just sounds like... Because it was hot. It's just contrary, like... Because so I'm fair-skinned, so I try to run early more and more because I, I, I do run at lunch sometimes, but, like, yeah, it's just, just hard on your skin to be out there in the beating sun. Well, it's, it's, yeah. That's why I, I guess had... I, have, I have one question about that, John. The humidity you mentioned was almost the same as the temperature. That's like what I picture. Do you yeah. think, because I don't think there's any way you could have gone in California to simulate the humidity. There's nowhere in California I could have simulated that humidity. So do, you like think you just, do you think you just put yourself through enough of a hurt locker of just being uncomfortable that? The humidity, even though it had to be a factor, didn't affect you as much because you were already trying to be uncomfortable every way you could? Or, or I don't know. I'm curious I mean, about that. It's it, the, the humidity and the sun really, really affected me this race. And, it's, mm-hmm. and it, it, it slowed me down tremendously. But that was that's part of this race. That, that's, and again, even the race director... Um, on the, the pre-race Zoom the week before, and people asked, well, how how, how hot is it there? He, he just kind of laughed and said, um, it's pretty hot here. It just kind of, in a surprised way, he's like, it even kind of surprised him. And it was actually, it happened to be, because there was a hurricane passing by, which is part mm-hmm. of why Maui experienced the devastation that it did because of the winds. But that day, um, there was, I guess, the way the winds and all that work, Kauai was just sitting in just sort of stagnant heat that day. The doldrums. So, yeah, the, in the in the days before, in the days after, it actually, uh, two days later, it was not just sprinkling, but raining over a lot of the island that day because we were getting other parts from the hurricane. And then that's, you know, when all the, the horrible stuff started happening on Maui. But it was super windy um in the days after but in the race it was just sunny and calm and i was staring at a cloud that was raining over waimea a town off to the east 
and I was like, that cloud's not moving. Why can that cloud just not move over right here? <laughs> right here. Um, and yeah, it's the it's the break. We get enough humidity. This happens on the East Coast too. You get enough humidity, and then it breaks, and it's yeah. like it's ecstasy. It's like so wonderful. It's like that super hot humidity, and finally. I, fe- I felt this like on, in DC and Virginia a few times. It can it's just like unbearable, and then it breaks, and now you have rain, and the rain just feels so good. But and it doesn't sound like you had that. <laughs> for, for me, I, I still think the sun was a bigger factor because mm-hmm. the sun, like, say it was you know humid and shady, and I'm just keeping myself soaked. I would have. I would have run faster in shade, um, even if it was just as humid, because that's still, if you don't have the sun just sort of beating down on you, heating everything up, you can stay a little cooler. You can keep yourself cool in humidity with cooler water. You can just dunk it on you. Um, but the sun just kept everything cooking up. And so, and that's what I noticed. I was like, in the morning, it was just as humid, but I was like, this is runnable. And in the afternoon, when my shadow got longer, I was like, my my final few miles were, I, I was dropping pace again. And part of that, because, you know, mentally, I know I'm finishing, but it was easier to maintain a, a faster pace. And I even came up on people that I had seen in the last few miles that were just, they were power walking it in, and that's all they had. And I was like, oh, my shadow's getting longer here. Temperature is just slightly going down, but moreover, that radiant sun energy. And that, so I guess in retrospect, if I wanted to train for this race again, I would go out and just train in direct sun. And that's uh, if the race is going to be, if I do it again, and if it's going to be in this way. Like um, a, yeah, like Badwater, which is it, an ins- yeah, insanity training. Yeah, people wearing sweatsuits in saunas, like training in like trash bags, essentially, just doesn't doesn't really uh, strike me as enjoyable on the training side. But but it's an obstacle. Yeah. Talking to people who were from Hawaii who were saying this is hot (laughs) was a very interesting realization. It's like, oh, this is this is not just me not being from here. Yeah, there, there's a huge difference. Like in Florida, if you're just around and it's like 95 and 90% humidity, like you're just like walking around, you're going to restaurants and stuff, it's tolerable. It's fine. But as soon as you add a little exertion onto that, where you might have a little a little bit of temp of core temperature increase, just a, just a hair, like like 130 uh, heart heart rate. It's it's awful <laughs> because because there's nowhere to dissipate the heat because because what you're doing when you're working at when you're doing any running or anything that's exertion is you're creating heat and so you're trying to dissipate the heat yeah. and then yeah I mean you you know well, all this so that was where the core like pouring the water down my shirt at every aid station that made a world of difference and that was it's like I just should have I should have started doing that at the end of the first lap when it was starting to get hot i shouldn't have waited a whole lap to start using those active cooling strategies you need one of those um suits that that, that like pump the cold and like has all the skin contact on you and then the dry ice in the backpack and yeah dry ice actually cyclists do have a, an advantage that they can have the uh more airflow so the airflow they get a little bit more airflow with for cooling but not so yeah, much thrown in the, the heat stuff notwithstanding it was like it was a new experience i've run a lot of races and it was we were talking to talking to people in the race and people who were coming from you know the the mainland who run a lot of like trail trips which are much more hilly where we're looking at the the quote climbs which weren't that big just thinking i, I think there was like a 200 foot climb that went over two miles was like the biggest climb, maybe a mile. And that's that's not very big compared to what we run here on a daily basis. 
And you're just thinking though, okay, this 200 foot climb has the sun directly overhead right now. And in, in other races where it's like, oh, I can just hike these uphills because they're so steep, they're absurdly steep. I'm not gonna run it and waste that and I'll just jog the downhills. This course being so runnable was an interesting challenge. Um, and yet, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm here in Hawaii. Like, <laughs> I can get through this, and I'm, I'm here in Hawaii, and it's it, it's just an amazing place to be. And it was, like, it was a race that I was wondering when I signed up for it, was this actually going to happen? Just kind of knowing, you know, how permitting stuff goes. And it's like, you want to permit something to go to the end of a state park in the middle of the night on the roads and go through all these roads in Hawaii that this doesn't happen here. And so when it got moved to the Kauai coffee plantation and they were generous, to say like, yeah, go ahead and you can run on all these fire roads. Um, although like, you know, the thought of the runners affecting the coffee and the impact of it, I did see in my first lap, um, a dead boar. So I'm like, Oh, there's probably dead boar around here all the time. And so I can't think, you know, they're, they're impacting the trail too, in a way. So, and there's, discarded irrigation tubing everywhere. So I'm like, well, there's already plastic everywhere on this course too. Mm -hmm. um, though the race director said that he did not find any trash, which is pretty awesome. So John, did you have a moment on the race that was that stuck out that you remember? The race was one very big moment. Um, I think once I got my brain around, like, oh, here's what I have to do to cool myself, then it was, yeah, I, I, w I was actually starting to worry, like, am I going to just, is this going to spiral out of control? So as soon as... On, on, on the heat or like, like yeah, as, heat, as heating heat, up? My, my core temperature. Because I will say, for those listening, John handles heat very well. And... Well, I don't want to sound racist. Gotta, gotta <laughs> preface that. No, well, John, John, John's background, but no, I, I can, you also I got run very, in a lot of heat. Dark. Well, yeah, I, you're, I you're dark skinned, but germ, but you also yeah. you you also run in a lot of heat. Uh, just wanted to phrase it correctly. Saying well, I don't want to sound racist probably sounds awful. Yeah, and she's like, you're you're dark. You can run this, and I'm like, well, I'm half dark. I did get tanner um, over the week. <laughs> Um, a lot to enter and the I'm, I'm sure if I lived in Florida and ran 10 miles a day in the god-awful place of Florida that would be perfect for this race <laughs> oh the, the the race director Brady he is 100 first 100 miler he did was that our last year or earlier this year was the key 2022 100. I saw that yeah he's 100 running along the Florida Keys no shade there. Um, <laughs> the, I think it was the first lap I was just running through with people. So it was like, I was treating it like a road marathon, kind of, just not as fast. And then the second lap, I was kind of, I, I, I was falling apart coming through. And about a mile. Second of four laps. So on second lap. Yeah. So you did 12.7. Now you're on the second lap. Uh, halfway through, where 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 do you? Yeah, just just before the halfway point. Oh no no, almost okay. So so you're only 18 in, and you the, you're no, already. Right. Sorry sorry, okay. sooner after that. So a mile before the finish line, start finish area. So this is mile 11 of the first lap, approximately maybe closer to mile 11 and a half, and then maybe like mile 24 and a half ish because it's a 12.7 mile loop. Mm -hmm. It's not 12. It's 12.7. And that 12.7 matters because when you multiply that out, you get a race that's over 51 miles. And so when you're budgeting and you're thinking, oh, mile 47, I have three miles to go. No, there's still over four miles to go. That's a big difference. And that mm -hmm. dawned on some people as they were looking at their watch. For, for, for time cutoffs? Or, for or, time or... cutoffs and just kind of like when's the race over? But you already mm -hmm. know when it's going to be over because you've already run the course, you know, multiple times. But about a mile before the finish, there is this beautiful little cut in the bushes. And you're on this cliff that's about 200 feet over the ocean. 
and you can in this cliff this cutout is that there on purpose i don't know if they made it for the race or if it's just there and on my second lap i happened i was sort of going back and forth with a guy who was i don't know what his name was i don't know how old he was i don't remember his number i should have looked it up he was wearing sandals and it looked like homemade sandals and he had most of his head shaved but he still had a ponytail so he just kind of had this um a very natural look let's say and after when i was running back and forth with him in the second lap he just said there's a beautiful lookout over there and i was just kind of too messed up to even think you know i should go look at it and uh i just kept going i was like yeah i know and just kept going when i came through the third lap i was like yeah i gotta go look at this and you're just sort of staring off into the ocean in all directions 200 feet above it and i'm like oh yeah this this is just absolutely beautiful and this is this is why i'm here and so when i was coming through the last lap and i'm just looking at my watch and my goal was to make my last lap faster than my third lap which i did and i was come i was looking at my watch i knew i was like okay i gotta maintain this pace and i i still took the time to go look at that little viewpoint and go look at it and it's whatever on the strava map shows me closest to the ocean and you can you can zoom in and see um there is a little lookout and there's probably even a little tiny dent as you can see in the gps yep i can see the little dent i can see two of those dents in the in the gps track because i took the time twice to go look at that view which the race director had told everybody go look at the view it's absolutely beautiful yeah you are 40 50 meters up which translates to close to 200 feet so it's this cliff it's beautiful and you're just staring out into the expanse of the ocean and yeah it's it's like it just reminded me it's like oh yeah this is just a race and uh i'm lucky to be here i'm lucky to be on this trip and that's that expansive ocean is just a drop in the bucket of everything else that's that is that is such a great story right there and like we can't put into words like how special you know it is forget the race for a second forget like everything else but to uh be there in the moment and to see something that incredible that's uh that's that's awesome really uh, like how many times will you be back there again to see that again so to take that moment is just like so worth it yeah that's that's really special that's 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 a beautiful moment that's really cool thanks for sharing yeah um so so john i'm out of i'm out of questions here uh i think i'm see. almost out of time all right so. it's uh almost 10 30. all right so we're gonna wrap it up this is the, the Kauai 50 miler post race chat with uh, John Bertan and Tim DeCarlo. Uh, thank you, everybody. I'm going to uh, sign off and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, the six pack still stands if uh, anyone's listening. <laughs> and um, the just need more listeners, apparently. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good night. Thank, thank you. Good night. Good night.